The unknown cliffs were immediately pronounced to be the headlands of Botany Bay. Our weary wayfaring was nearly done. The next break in the iron-bound coast that rose dark and threateningly before us would be our welcome haven, Sydney Cove. In an absolute whirl of delight and excitement, with bright looks and quick, eager voices all around, I hastened to put up a few packages ready to take ashore, continually interrupting myself to go on deck and mark our progress. The agitation on board was universal, and the transformations little short of miraculous. Passenger chrysalids were turning into butterflies every instant. Gentlemen, whose whole outer vestments for the past month would have scarcely brought half a crown in rag fare, suddenly emerged from their cabins exquisites of the first water, and ladies, whose bronzed and scorched straw bonnets would have been discarded long before by a match girl, now appeared in delicate silks or satins of the latest London fashion. Gala dresses and holiday faces were the order of the day. Perhaps a child going home from school may feel as happy as I did, but the degree of delight could scarcely be excelled. The entrance to Port Jackson is grand in the extreme, the high, dark cliffs we had been coasting along all morning suddenly terminate in an abrupt precipice called the South Head, on which stands the lighthouse and signal station. The North Head is a similar cliff, a bare bluff promontory of dark horizontal rocks, and between these grand, stupendous pillars, as through a colossal gate, we entered Port Jackson. The countless bays and inlets of this noble estuary render it extremely beautiful, Every minute as we sailed on, a fresh vista opened on the view, each, as it seemed, more lovely than the last. The pretty shrubs, growing thickly amid the rocks and down to the water's edge, added infinitely to the effect, especially as they were really green, a thing I had not dared to expect, but it was spring and everything looked fresh and verdant. Here and there, on some fine lawny promontory or rocky mount, White villas and handsome cottages appeared, encircled with gardens and shrubberies, looking like the pretty cottage ornée near some fashionable English watering place, and perched amid as picturesque but less cultivated scenery were the cottages of pilots, fishermen, etc., making, to my ocean-wearied eyes, an Arcadia of beauty. Near the North Head is the quarantine ground, off which one unlucky vessel was moored when we passed, and on the brow of the cliff a few tombstones indicate the burial place of those unhappy exiles who died during the time of ordeal, and whose golden dreams of the far-sought land of promise lead but to a lone and desolate grave on its storm-beaten shore. We very narrowly escaped a serious accident, even in the port. A large vessel was moored in mid-channel, and our pilot could not decide on which side he would pass her until we were so near that a collision seemed inevitable. But we fortunately cleared her with not two feet to spare and pursued our course. During a light shower which fell shortly after, amid the bright sunshine, a most beautiful rainbow appeared, seeming like a smile of welcome to my new country. It spanned over one of the many lovely little bays and was very broad, so that, although the centre had a considerable elevation, it wholly rested on the water, which, with the rocks, trees, and hills beyond, and the snow-white sands of the bay, shone in all the graduated shades of the bright prismatic colours. 
It was beautiful beyond description. The pure white, silvery sand which forms the beach in several of these picturesque coves gives them a peculiarly bright appearance. It is much valued, I believe, by glassmakers at home and often taken as ship's ballast for that purpose. As we neared Sydney, several rocky islets appeared, some rising like ruined forts and castles, and richly adorned with verdant shrubs down to the edge of the bright, clear, deep blue water that reflected them so perfectly one could scarcely tell where substance and shadow joined. One of them is named Shark Island, another larger one, Garden Island, and the little one, bearing the unmeaning and not very refined name of Pinchgut, is now the site of a small fort or battery.